It's the Pikey and Lout Show, Talking Taipans. Chris Pike and Alex Loughton come to you with everything that is 100% Taipans. Let's go. It's Talking Taipans. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pikey and Lout Show. We've got through the whole regular season, Laos. I can't believe we've done it, but the show's really picking up some momentum. We're getting a lot of a lot of new followers. We seem to be creating a lot of great buzz, and all of a sudden we've got some finals to look forward to, and the Cairns Taipans are part of it, and they're a genuine championship threat. I think this might be the best ever chance the Taipans have had to make a run for, for the NBL championship. I know you, you were part of two teams that went to a grand final, but this team's a pretty exciting one. So they, they're heading into the finals from third position, and we're pretty excited here on the Pikey and Laos show. We're Talking Taipans, I'm Chris Pike, but the man you all want to hear from, Alex Loudon, the Cairns Taipans legend. How do I find you this evening? Mate, I'm doing very well, doing very well. Just come off a uh, bit of a training, bit of a pickup game thing with the uh, the Marlins squad. Just, you know, a little bit of running around. Um, but no, all, all things are going well and um, great to see the Taipans in a, a great position. And as we will probably delve into this uh, this show, quite interesting sort of uh, matchups. They actually match up fairly well against uh, the Wildcats and uh, all the bench, uh, how deep they run in the bench and uh, just different uh, trends that are, have formed in these last of uh, second half of the season we'll break all that down on the show today but so uh, I'm excited to get into it well before we get into it any further Laos do you have any sort of an update are you going to be playing NBL1 basketball with the, the Cairns Marlins this season Look, I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, I may or may not have had a, a coffee with uh, Coach O'Loughlin today. Um, so, uh, you know, that may or may not have happened. But, well, you know, the information will, will get leaked out. And, you know, in, you know how these things play out. Uh, you know, it starts off with ESPN speculation, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, we'll see. But the body's feeling good. You reckon you could hold up to another season? Yeah, 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 no, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be if it's the right group, um, you know, it could be a lot of fun. So, uh, watch this space. Mm, very exciting. Now we had a big hit with our special guest last week, Ron Dorsey, the grand final legend from 2011. We had a lot of fun with your catch up with him, and I hope everyone went and checked out the full interview as well on our on our Facebook page as well. If you haven't, you can still go back to check it out. But got another special guest this week as well. Mate, it's uh, exciting. You know, Cody Statman is a, a sophomore in, uh, you know, Virginia Cavaliers. So I caught up with his dad, Daryl Statman, um, and he had some really, really cool insights because there's, you're always looking for progression between year one and year two. How are they going to go? What's the coach, uh, you know, how's his team come together with the exit of a lot of, uh, you know, stars heading off into sort of NBA trial sort of territory, um, which, which leaves a, a void for players, up-and-coming players to fill that void. So looking forward to that catch-up with Daryl Statman later in the show. Yeah, very exciting, very exciting to have such an exciting basketball prospect coming out of, out of our area as well. So, you know, it's always exciting to keep an eye on the, the next generation and and to, to let the parents have a bit of a say about how their, their young fellas travelling as well. Um, do you ever expect to be in that position? Do you expect your kids to ever follow your path into basketball? Oh. 
Oh, I'm I'm happy if whatever they get into, if they're passionate about it, mm-hmm. um, whether it be some sport or uh, wh- whatever it is, art, whatever it is, if they find that passion, that that itch that they just can't seem to scratch enough, um, you know, if it happens to be basketball and they're heading off to college, it's it's great. It's a great thing. It's an exciting yeah. journey, um, you know. And and as Daryl said to me, which I didn't really think about, he said it's a great way to connect with your kids to be involved with their uh, sport. I mean, he coaches. A lot of the the different teams, um, but when he's coached his own son, you know you're going around tournaments, you're doing so much cool things. Uh, if you if you align, I guess as a parent, you know you get involved with it. He said it's uh, it's really rewarding. Uh, but yeah, if if it ha- if it ha- happens with my kids, with it whatever they get in, into, um, you know if I can be involved as well, that'd be huge. Yeah, fantastic. This episode of the Pikey and Lau Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Staten's Plumbing Company, Plumbers Who Care, and Your Fitness, Your Body, Your Choice, Your Time, Your Fitness. Now, plenty to talk about on, on the Pike and Lau show this week. We'll go through the Taipans, last two games of the regular season, and of course, have a, have a quick look at the semi-final series to come that starts next Friday in Perth against the Perth Wildcats. We've got the NBL Awards to recap, and we've also got the Cairns Taipans Awards to preview, and we'll also take a look at how the rest of the league shaped up and got ready for the finals too. So to start with, Laos, two games last week on the road for the Taipans. As it turned out, the results didn't matter. They finished third no matter what, but the two teams they were yep. playing had no choice but to win to keep their seasons alive. So started right. started on right. Thursday with Melbourne having a... Having a pretty solid win, the Taipans weren't too bad. It only really blew out in the last couple of minutes of that game and, and Melbourne end, ended up you know, having a bit of a percentage booster, which they needed, and, and winning 99-83. to 83. And then on Saturday back in Brisbane, the Bullets had to win by 34 points to be any chance of making the finals and they ended up winning by 36, which wasn't quite ideal from a Taipans point of view. What did you make of the two games? No, and look, Mike Kelly is such a stand-up guy. He, you know, you'd, you'd be forgiven for thinking that there was something going on mm. in the background where you know they wanted Brisbane to be in the playoffs <laughs> or something like that. Like, yeah. you know, I, I know Mike, and that would never happen. But uh, I think it was the the perfect sort of storm of players, uh, especially like the imports. You know, they, they don't want to get injured or do anything crazy in these last few games where it doesn't matter. If that's the case, then maybe they should have been rested rather than mm. if you're gonna if you're gonna play, you you sort of have to still keep your you know be true to your behaviors yeah. I mean, you can't be sloppy with the ball they Brisbane played a style that as I think coach Lamarus even said it, it was unsustainable during the season anyway mm-hmm. it was just it was so forward and aggressive that you just can't do that all season even though it was their, their last ditch effort but certainly for the type ends you, you just leave that little bit of sour taste in your mouth that uh, we, you know we played a bit of a sloppy game and you don't want to finish on that and then have a um, you know big break uh, coming off that but I mean, when it's all said and done, I think the two-week break is probably a good equaliser. It kills off momentum yeah. of the teams that have won in the last regular season game, and it kills off the bad momentum of teams that have lost uh, because a two-week gap is the you know same for all teams. They're all in the same boat, so I, I think you know it's going to be forgotten about uh, in not too, in the not too distant future. And I think they forgot about it pretty quick. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the game, uh, you know they knew they were in third place and they could take stock, I guess, heading back down to the awards 
night that it was a great season and they bagged a bunch of awards, um, mm. which is huge. And they're just able to just uh, soak it up, I guess, on, on their achievement for the year, which is um, all, all uh, um, very well deserved uh, for all the, all the awardees. So, mm. um, yeah. Your thoughts on the game quickly and then we'll head into the awards. Yeah, the, the concern I have, it's not so much the result because I think the fact that the game meant nothing, you can wipe it away and, and I don't think you lose much confidence from it, but I just feel like it just – that Brisbane was able to open up some cracks that have been there all season and the biggest concern with this Taipans team or all the great things they've done is that under pressure they just haven't been able to keep – control of the ball so we've seen games down the stretch where they just haven't been able to inbound the ball they haven't been able to get the ball across half court if you trap Scott Machado there's not really a plan B and that's been a been an ongoing concern and and right from the start because the Bullets had to win the game and win it big they they put the full court press on they trapped Machado at every chance and and it just led to turnover after turnover and that was that's my concern and now it I hope that it hasn't opened up the door for the Perth Wildcats. Now see what the blueprint is to throw this type bench team off kilter and what you can do to upset them because they ended up with 27 turnovers for the game and and that was the difference. I don't think if the type ends kept control of the ball, I don't think there's any way that Brisbane gets up the type of shots that they were taking. I don't think they get up 124 points. I don't think Cam Glidden gets off the three-pointers and gets off the leash like he did. I think the Bullets were able mm. to play the way they did because they kept forcing turnover after turnover. And I just hope now that that's not a trend that goes into into this semi-final series. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously the game at 4.30 p.m. on Saturday, you know that 90 seconds before that game um, over in Perth, Trevor Gleeson put a bag of popcorn in the microwave and clicked over 90 seconds and got <laughs> ready to, he got ready to settle in um, to enjoy the, the blueprint, as you say, yeah. unfold right before his eyes. So he had the popcorn in, in one on the left-hand side of him. He had a paper and pencil mm-hmm. on the other side. And he was like, oh, okay, so double team Machado um, all the way out uh, until he gets rid of it. Okay, I'll write that down. Yeah. Like instead of instead of doing drops on the on ball, because uh, Melbourne did the same thing, and Brisbane saw that. So, you know, this isn't this isn't new stuff. Gleason's all over mm-hmm. what transpired yeah. in those games, and the Taipans coaches are well aware as well. But you're right; it, it sort of it just gave full insight into how the Wildcats are going to plan their attack based on those two games. So it did expose, I guess, the underside a bit of the Taipans, but. Having said that, you know, the coaching staff, the Taipans are well aware that Scotty Machado is going to get double teamed. It's not going to, he's not going to be able to wheel and deal coming off a pick mm. and then attack the big. It's going to be aggressive, hard shows, double team until they get rid of it. So the way around that is they're going to have to work out where their outlets are and you need more than one option as an outlet when double teams happen. But the defense will be basically trying to take the first pass away uh, and leave the corners open. So on middle on board, They'll double team and they'll take. They'll deny the next the next pass um, out of that double team, to, um, and they'll leave somebody open in the corner. So it has to be a long heaved pass to an open play that they will recover to. So that that's basically you know the the strategy. Get it out of Machado. He is the head of the snake. Make somebody else make the play or make the shot. Uh, it, those games are just a bit sloppy for my liking. Like mm. we talk about thirteen turnovers a game, Pikey. Yeah, that's 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 the that should be the goal for the you know for a solid play during the season. Yeah. Um, I think they're up 20 turnovers for that Brisbane game, 18 for that Melbourne game. Way too high. Just too many possessions thrown away. How many? 27. 27 turnovers? Yeah. 
Gee, so twenty-seven and and eighteen from the Melbourne game, roughly. Like it's a that's just way way too high. Yeah. Um. The other the other the other point of interest for me is points off the bench. Mm. So we were just looking at the numbers before Pikey, and we said at the start of the season. 25 points a game is is like the minimum. Like that's if you you've got a solid team, if you are able to get 25 points worth of production from your bench on a consistent basis. So New Zealand Breakers their three-peat championship, I remember clear as day. They were getting at least 27 to 30 points off their bench yeah. regularly, you know. It wasn't just the stars pumping out 40 minutes um, of, you know, of court time and and bagging a bunch of points. It was it was actually the bench that just kept everything ticking over so smooth. So the 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 averages for the Taipans, Pikey, do you remember what we what we added up in the end? Yeah, over the course of the season, they pretty much got to that mark. I think it was around the 26-point mark over the course of the season. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit mixed up because sometimes Mirko Jerich ended up starting a fair bit when Kuwait Noi was out. But, but yeah, right. But, but, right. but basically between Nate Jawai and, and, and sort of Mirko Jerich and... And as as it turned out, um, Fab Krislovich ended up having a really significant impact, and and you know Jared Kenny played he played his role too. So they ended up pretty much getting to that mark. So twenty six mm. points a game over the course of the season off the bench, especially when you had your three gun imports scoring as they did. I think I think that's a big tick. Yep. And what about like if we look at the Sydney Kings? They seem to be fairly well balanced are they are they tipping themselves as the the deepest sort of bench type of team where, where do they stand in in terms of production off the bench yeah the sydney kings are the you know they, they were on top of the ladder right throughout the regular season finished on top um and i think it's because of how deep they are so they don't rely on any any superstars to get the job done they really do go you know 11 deep and that's going to be their great strength come playoff time and that's why their bench pretty much is on par scoring wise with with their starters. So they're they're well over up up the thirty point mark in terms of the points they get off the bench. And and I guess it, it remains to be seen if you win a championship based on having the deepest team, or if you win a championship based on having the superstars that can dominate the big game. So I guess it's going to be fascinating to see which which philosophy yeah. ends up ends up. Yeah, winning. I think I think over the course of a of a five game series in a grand final, um, you really rely on the energy of the bench yep. and the ability to to make subs because those first couple of games the coaches tighten up and they're like oh, I'm not taking my super staff right now this game's too big mm. but then once you hit you know the third and fourth game of a series like you've got to you've got to go to your bench and you've got to utilize them well so it's a luxury to have well-performing players that can come in. Now, we looked at the Wildcats as well. They're, they're sitting on us at that 24, 25-point yeah, mark. Yeah, they're just, just well behind the, the Wildcats, yeah. A bit less, a little bit less. But is that a good matchup then? The, is it a fairly even matchup, superstar-wise, with Wildcats and the type ends? Like, a lot yeah. of the production is coming from the starting five. Absolutely, and I think the Wildcats, right across the season... Maybe it's changed a little bit since they got Myles Plumley, but they they've almost completely relied on the production of their big three. So that's Nick Kay, Tariko White, and Bryce Cotton. So when those three have played well, they they've been pretty much unbeatable. If one of those three on any given night doesn't play well, they tend to struggle a little bit. So I think they rely on their their big guns more than anything. Yeah. Myles Plumley, you know, makes a little bit of a difference because he might be their their fourth star, or if he keeps getting in foul trouble, or if he 
doesn't doesn't have the faith of Trevor Gleeson, he might not not have any sort of impact at all. So that remains to be seen. But they don't get a lot off the bench. So so Clint Steindl's probably probably their gun off the bench. And and I guess now that he's back getting back to full fitness, Damien Martin to come on and and be that leader and, and defensive pest. He'll be yeah. he'll be important coming yeah. off the bench as well. But they don't really get a lot points wise off the bench outside of Steindl. Now, this is a bit of an X factor. We we thought, oh, look, well, let's let's do Melbourne United as well. Mm. What's the what's the scenario <laughs> here with the, well, the they're, point they're, production yeah, off the bench? They're fascinating. So for most of the season, Mellow Trimble has started with them, and they're yep. they're well under the 20, 20 point mark in terms of points that they get off the bench. So that has them right down the list. But suddenly, if you throw Mellow Trimble's points that he's adding off the bench, they're well up over the thirty five point mark. So suddenly, they're the most productive team coming off the bench and I think they'll stick with Mellow Trimble coming off the bench now because it's worked so well over their last yeah. four or five games and it's got them into the into the finals. So suddenly they've gone from the the probably the the weakest team in terms terms of depth to putting Mellow yeah. to the bench and they've become the deepest. So it's about finding the right combinations yeah. that, that work well and, and at the end of the day if you're winning, who cares you know what mm. that is. Everyone accept their role because, you know, I I don't think it's tried and true and tested. The um, I don't think the Melbourne United have got the the answer. I think they've stumbled across something that's that's going to be. Uh, I think it's like an X factor in this this whole finals yeah. uh, playoff uh, thing. It's like Sydney are strong. The top three teams are. Really, you know, I think they're a cut above the uh, the rest. But Melbourne United have all of a sudden got some. There's just something there. Yeah, there, well, like, there is. It's, it's got to annoy the coaches, like because they, they'll buck the trend. Like they're so erratic and so don't you know the, the you can't predict what they're going to do. Um, so it'll be an interesting one to watch. And we sort of uh, digressed a bit because we haven't even touched on the awards, Pikey, but um, uh, possibly a good time to get into Yeah, for sure. We can continue that chat next week as well with a, a full preview of the semi-final series. Just very quickly, before we get to the awards night, it was a fascinating last round. So we saw on, on Thursday night that Melbourne beat Cairns um, in Melbourne, and that that put Melbourne back in in the playoff hunt. That kept them alive. But then we saw yeah. on on Friday night the New Zealand Breakers. They had a tough time to beat the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, but they ended up beating them. So that meant yeah. the Breakers yeah. were back into fourth position, and then was their spot to yeah. lose. But then, of course, yeah. we saw the we saw what happened with the Brisbane Bullets and the Cairns Taipans. They had to win by thirty four points, and they won by thirty six. So that put the Bullets back into fourth position. So, so they so they got into fourth. That, so, yeah. they're in, so, so they're celebrating. Yeah. And and that we, meant we that it, it all came down to Melbourne against Southeast Melbourne on Sunday. Um, yeah. And no creek, no Mitch yeah. Creek. Yeah. Um, and you know the Phoenix put up a fight, but Melbourne just had too much to play for and, pro- yeah. and you know too much talent in the end, and got the job done, booked in their final spot, and and I guess at the start of the season we all had them as a as a real championship fancy. The way their season panned panned out, we thought that they had dropped the ball, but all of a sudden they ended up in fourth spot, and who knows, they could still end up upsetting the Sydney Kings and. We'll talk more about that next week, but it was it was quite the the amazing way to finish I think it made the it, season. It made it a great round. Like it made it, it was so much focus on the the 
I think the number of viewers watching these games was huge. Mm. Um, so it was it was pretty it was pretty entertaining. Like you know all the different scenarios playing out. Um, you know we said it all along, Pocky. You, you know we thought sixteen wins was going to get you in a log jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were pretty close. That fifteen wins was the log jam secret number. Sixteen wins got you yep. fourth place. Yep. Sixteen got based you in. You know pretty close, and we've been on the money uh, for a lot of different ones. So yeah. No, I'm I'm happy for you to let me come on board but let's be honest you're the one that's been been on the money with all of these things in it let's go to the awards night let's start with the rookie of the year award i think he was penciled in to win the award the moment he signed to to come down under him and be a next star i'm not sure it yeah. really mattered what he did to be honest because you know the, he had to it had, it had to be a good result for the league with lamello ball coming to play in the nbl for just for so many reasons because so much was riding on it so he was named rookie yeah. of the year as we expected he wasn't on hand i don't know if he'll ever receive the trophy and it might end up like you said last week where james dennis's all <laughs> first team award is as well but he got the rookie yeah. of the year award what are you what are your thoughts it's the it's the bottom of the river by doc lands yeah <laughs> yep, yep. That's the continue one. continue yep. um, are you happy he's rookie of the year or do you stand by i think what we talked about previously that it probably should be an award that is won by a local player there's a couple of different things there i think one he he doesn't really care uh that he won it anyway so you know from that standpoint it'd be nice to see someone who actually cares yeah. enough to go well i'm really proud of this award thank you mm-hmm. i mean he's also young so he, you know yeah. a bit of immaturity there for around that sort of thing but the, him being down here well, yes big big coup for the league and i think the league got their money's worth. So, is he a, is he allowed to be in Rookie of the Year contention? Well, I mean, he, he's he's played some pretty outstanding games. Those those triple doubles were very impressive. Shut up shop before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Took the injury for whatever it was, and um, you know that was the end of that. Yeah, I, I'd I'd rather see it go to probably more the Aussie or New Zealand yeah. local type thing because that's. You don't want to lose that pathway of guys starting out here. Um, you know, looking back, going, "Yep, you know, the, you know, this is where this is my home. This is where I'm uh, from." And you know, able to get those kind of accolades yeah. there, rather than this the top NBA talent coming down and swooping and going, "Yep, that's easily him. He's a winner for Rookie of the Year. Let's give it to him." And then get any benefit out of no. that? I don't. I don't think it was actually um, closer than I thought. So Lamelo ended up on 49 votes and. Court Noy second on forty four. That's probably closer than I expected. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's had a fantastic season. Yeah. He's for the most part of the season it was eleven to twelve points a game. Um, it's sort of finished out just shy of eleven points. So that's the one that you'd probably go. You know, that's the one you want to see win win the award, regardless of type ends. I think it's coming Aussie. He's close with NBA draft type stuff. Mm. He's having a crack. Um, you know, and it's a you know Australian citizen or New Zealand citizen that can actually get the award. I just think it has a lot a lot more upside, a lot more value. Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's start at the bottom of the list and work our way up. Referee of the year, Vaughan Maybury. Any any comments? I mean, a lot of fans would, would say he's made a lot of bad calls. I remember the, the number being about if they're happy with 85% mm-hmm. correct calls, which means 15% bad calls in any any given game, um, which I guess that's that's the reality. They're not going to get everything right. I, I found him 
pretty consistent. He's, he's certainly I think he's pretty confident in everything that he's that he's done, and um, yeah, I think he's fairly fair. Like, yeah. your thoughts on that? No, I, I think it's a fair call. The only, I guess, criticism of him is that he tended to go to the video a little bit too much. But I think when he makes his makes his calls, he rarely gets gets them wrong. So I think he, I think it's pretty much on the money. Fans MVP. Now, the first award for the Kansas Taipans on the night went to Scott Machado. So, obviously, the, the NBL fans were appreciating what he's done all season. Fans have, have been treated to a player that, that activates the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. And I think you go, that is something that I want to see, you know, that they voted accordingly. So, um, maybe they're, they're tired of the Bryce Cotton's mm-hmm. one-man sort of show and, and, you know, he's an unstoppable player. Like, he's, he's unbelievable talent. Yeah. You know Bryce Cotton, but Scotty's totally changed what people sort of expect, like an MVP runner-up. In um, but but to them, like he was the most exciting player to watch because he got everyone involved. He had some amazing highlights. Uh, he was a team player, yep. and I think that's that's really rewarding to see people go. Yeah, no, I'm not just going for my favorite individual player. It is actually a lot more fun to to see a player activate an entire roster. Yeah. Uh, it was exciting to watch. Yeah, no, you know, I, well, I was I was drawn in. You know, it was it was awesome. I think for a player from the smallest market in the league to win a fans vote as well, that says a lot. That means that he's earned the respect of the, the fans right across the league, which I think is a is a is a great thing too. Another win for the Kansas Taipans, fans, and this is one that. But I thought it was one of the easier ones to pick on the night. Um, there was a little bit of sort of conjecture around the place, and the voting was was fairly tight as well. But defensive player of the year went to D- DJ Newble, and I think that's that's spot on spot on the money. He's uh, he's had an outstanding year, um, and he solidifies his brand, his name as a two way player now. Um, you know that that's that's valuable. Mm. That's valuable on any team because a coach goes, I know you're going to put in effort down the other end of the floor. And you're going to do it well. Like um, Damian Martin is, he, he's kind of all defensive kind of player. He, he doesn't have the offensive side. So he's kind of a one way player in that, you know, he's really good at defense. He's a great leader, but he's not like a prolific scorer. If DJ's, DJ's putting points on the board and playing defense uh, and often getting the toughest assignment. So, yeah, he's just, uh, he's just elevated so much this year. It's just great to see um, that little shoulder niggle from last year that, really must have hampered him and confidence-wise didn't give him a whole lot to work with. Um, this year, healthy, um, happy. Um, he's got you know, a terrific point guard at the, the one and um, yeah, he's just had a great season and, and great to win that award. Most improved player. Went to Will Magno of the Brisbane Bullets. Very tight one. He won on 53 votes. Dane Pino second on 49 votes. What are, you, what are your thoughts on yeah. that? Um, both players, really impressive. I think Dane... Uh, Pino's got such a good motor. Uh, he just gets after everything. He's he's a he's a workhorse. Um, I think Will Magnay's a little bit more unique and refined mm. in the fact that he's a uh, unbelievable shot blocker. And I saw we saw it in the QBL <laughs> from round one in the QBL. He was above the square blocking mm-hmm. you know any guard that went to the rim. And I was just like, man, I haven't seen that in the NBL, yeah. let alone the QBL. Like, you know, so I, I think I felt you? like he was going to have... Oh, probably... No, nah, I'm shooting I'm shooting NBA threes <laughs> these days. It's a, I'm not getting anywhere near the, the rim. So uh, I think I was a bit further out. But um, 
you know, I just thought, gee, that's pretty unique. And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this one because I feel like he was going to have a bit of a breakout season. They obviously got the championship in the QBL and it was uh, due to him and Kadi, mm. just a, a, a nice little combination, which obviously Kadi might take us into a good segue yeah. of six man of the year. Perfect, perfect but, segue. Um, yeah, he, six man of the year, Brisbane Bullets, Jason Kadi, another tight one. He got 31 votes. Daniel Kickett, Sydney Kings, 28. Will Magnate again. 26, so pretty tight. Um, you happy with Kadee winning it? I think, I mean, it'd probably be a starter somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a, he's a pretty handy player. Um, you know, I don't think he'll ever be in the category of, you know, your superstar type point guard type uh, positions. But look, he, he he's, he's danger. When he's when he's on song, uh, he's dangerous. And uh, I think he's got a good IQ for, for hoops. Um, so well-deserved, I guess, for six, for six man. Mm. And uh, I'm not sure what his final numbers were. I think he was nine... Nine points a game, you know, but probably probably more consistent over the course 11, of the 11. whole 1. year. Eleven point one, probably more consistent over the course of the year than maybe some of the other candidates, and, and maybe even our own Merko um, Jerry, yeah. uh, who really came to life that second half of the year, uh, had a bit of a hit and miss in the first half of the year. So maybe the over the course of the season uh, just impressed more. Now, from both of those awards, we spoke about this last week. Sean Bruce, I'm amazed that he didn't finish top three in either the sixth man or the most improved player award or to me he was winning at least one of those awards but he didn't even come top three are you surprised yeah i i am actually i mean i'm a sean bruce fan and um i just thought he took that opportunity with kevin lish going down with injury he just took it and ran with it um and you know from all accounts he's he's just loving the the coach player player coach relationship with will weaver there he said you know, it's just amazing that, you know, you can try things. You're not going to get scolded for it. You've, you've got a little bit of rope to be a bit creative, you know, and but coach will challenge him on something. But it's just a working relationship that he's just thriving on it. And um, it's just great to see. And, yeah, I am, I am probably surprised that uh, he didn't come closer to, to one of those uh, awards, most improved or, um, you know, six men. So, but he's, he's having a great season and he's loving life yeah. uh, at the moment. So uh, it's great to see. Now, back to a win for the Taipans. Lindsay Gay's Trophy, Coach of the Year, Mike Kelly. To me, as great a job as Bull Weaver did, and you can't question that, I just think it's a no-brainer that Mike had to win this award. He had the biggest uh, the biggest save that I've ever heard a coach in terms of his speech piping. Mm. So he's thanking his team, he's thanking everyone else, and I'm like, Mike, please, please thank the wifey, mate. <laughs> you gotta, you, I'm just willing him to be like, yeah. mate, please, like, you've got to... I mean, she was right there. Yep. They were all down there, you know. So, you know, but it just as the he's just about to leave, I think, and he's like, "Oh, and I just make sure I thank my wife." And it, uh, it was really cool. I was like, "Oh, thank God!" I was like, "He would never." He's like, "Yeah, I think I think it's about everyone: yep. my team, my my staff, my coaches, the players." I was like, "I was like, mate." So, no, it was really really cool to see. I think I think Will Weaver had a stronger team, a more um, he had a team on paper that was. Everyone knew who the players were. That yep. it was sort of more of a, a given that they were going to have a success this year, or an expectation. Yeah. You know, Mike took a, a, a list of players that were unknowns yep. and unproven, sure. I guess, and and manufactured a season that he did. So uh, I guess that's the the bigger feat um, and and really impressive uh, in his second year. I think a new coach takes three or four years before they really know what they they want, really know their offenses and what what they go to sort of 
players are and what their sideline sort of uh, plays in the heat of battle are. You know, it takes it just takes time. But I mean, in the second year to get coach of the year and steer this club. Uh, into their third spot is is really impressive, and I think it's pretty much unheard of, um, to be honest. And um, yeah, just just a massive coup for the club, and, and great accolade, and, and well deserved. Well, it just had so much to pick it up from from where the previous captain had driven the club down into. He just had so much work to do to, to pick it back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, all first NBL team. I think it spoke for itself to everybody that's watched even the, the smallest amount of games this year that Scott Machado, Bryce Cotton and Lamar Patterson were absolute locks to be in that team, and they were. Nick Kaye and Jay Sean Tate as the two inside players in that first team. Are you a little bit surprised? Uh, I disagree with Nick Kaye. Yep. He's had a solid season, don't get me wrong, but I thought I think everybody had Cam Oliver in that first team. Like if I was to pick my team right now, my five guys to go into battle, I'm taking Cam Oliver. I don't care. Uh, he's a totally different cat. He reads the game. He, he's he's an intimidator. I don't, I'm not intimidated by Nick Kay. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's solid and he can, you know, he does some things and I just think that Cam Oliver was a, an easier choice for me if I uh, put those two players side by side. I had Jay Sean Tate in my second team. Yeah. Um you know, I had had sort of Mitch Creek up there, mm-hmm. and Cam Oliver, and I had Sean Long. I'm a I'm a Sean Long fan. I think he's you know he's young and immature, but man, he's a, he's a big big dog. Yeah, uh, he's, a, he's a big player, and, and I think uh, I put Cam as a four man. Yeah. I don't I don't put him as a center. He's a if he plays at center position, I think he's out of position. Um, he can dominate for at the four spot. Yeah. Um, so I had. I had Sean Long and Cam Oliver in my first team, but most of the the guys on the NBL overtime had Cam Oliver in there as well. So yeah, I, I was I was surprised. It's created from talking with the tight ends uh, camp. It's created a bit of a, a a focal point now. Like all right, well Wildcats got two mm. players in the uh, you know NBL first yeah. team. We'll show them. We'll show them. So there's your motivation. They've forgotten those two games, Melbourne and the Brisbane game, and now they have motivation. To take it to the take it to the Wildcats. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think Cam Oliver had to be in that team. I just can't understand how he wasn't I, in my team. I had Jay Sean Tate as well, so I had my two bigs as Oliver and, and Tate. So, yeah, um, yeah. Yep. So the all second team, they did get Cam Oliver in there. Andrew Bogut as well. Scotty Hobson, DJ Newbel, and Casper Ware. So right from the start, you said that Cam Oliver, DJ Newbel, and Scotty Machado will be. Well, all, all three of them will be in the, the all first and all second teams, and they were. I just think that they got the, the one with Cam Oliver the wrong way around, but it's, it's a still a great result to have three three of the top ten players being type hands players. Casper Ware's numbers this year were not impressive. No. Like, he, he shot at, you know, 30% something or other from in there. Three, yeah, from, you know, I just don't think his numbers were that impressive to – I know they won games, maybe he had a – you know, a couple of big shots, but Sydney Kings got it done by committee yeah, this year. Sure. They didn't get it done off superstars, and I think Jay Sean Tate was their superstar. Yep, I, agree. Um, I think he, yeah, but uh, Scotty Hobson is the truth, and I really like, you know, it's just a shame he went down with an yep. injury for New Zealand. So he was a late sort of a, a comer in terms of he played unbelievable that, that last stretch mm-hmm. of the season, and, you know, if he was around a bit more, I probably would have had him higher than a third team yeah. all NBL like I should have probably done my due diligence on that but I didn't have Casper Ware in their second all team you know definitely DJ um, in there and uh, Biggs I had I had Lamar Patterson in my first team I had Jay 
Sean Tate in my second team, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Does Andrew Bogut uh, and get there on reputation? Or how does Andrew Bogut get into that team? I think he changes games. I think if you're going to uh, – maybe it's not all on the numbers. I think it's like the best team mm. that you can put together. And I think his ability to change a game and do what he does, he didn't have great numbers, but he was still good efficiency, I, I think. He just didn't have a whole lot of time. I think yeah. he didn't play as many minutes. Maybe he was managed a bit more. But I just think he – I put if I put a team together like I'm putting Cam in that first team, I'm putting Bogut in that second one because I'm I'm not I'd rather have him in there than not have him in. Okay, now I think we could debate that forever because I think there's genuinely probably 15 guys that have great cases to be in those two teams. So some someone had to miss out, and to me it was it was Mitch Creek and Daniel Johnson the most unlucky to miss out altogether, and and Cam Oliver the most unlucky to miss out on the first team. But yeah, I mean, I don't think you can ever, ever get these things right because it's a, just an opinion-based thing. Uh, there's no facts that we can really lock it away with. One fact we can is that Bryce Cotton got the most votes in the voting for the MVP award, the Andrew Gaze Trophy. I think pretty much right throughout the season, we talked about how it was a toss of the coin between Bryce and Scotty Machado, and we were, you know, flip-flopping all the way through between us on on which one of the two deserved it, and. In the end, the voting was pretty close. 88 votes for Cotton, 80 for Machado. I, I think as long as one of those two guys won it, I don't, don't think anybody can really complain too much. Yeah, look, Bryce Cotton, MVP, like, uh, you know, well-deserved and, and, and warranted. Like, he, he's uh, an outstanding player. He can take over games. Uh, he gets them wins. He's entertaining as well. He's waving goodbye to the crowd. Like, he's a, he's a apart from that, maybe that move, <laughs> he's a class act, um, but he's also a showman and he's uh, he just, his his ability in this league doesn't seem to translate to NBA or, or NBA Summer League type thing, but in this league, he dominates and he's just got an edge and the Wildcats pay him handsomely for that edge and um, basically guarantee uh, production every year because they've um, they they spend the the cash and and get the rewards from that. So um, you know he's he's an unbelievable talent and well deserved of MVP. And the fact that it's so close, Scotty Machado to be only eight eight votes behind him, I think that's a, a great result. And it's a for anyone to get that close to to Bryce, I think it it says a lot about them. And and for Scotty to be the fans' MVP and to come second in MVP voting and to be named to all first NBL team as well, I think he's got a lot to be a lot to be proud of. And so do the Taipans for making the decision to sign him because he was reasonably hot property coming off his ten day deal that he had at the LA Lakers mm. at the end of last season. But now he's going to be even even hotter property. So does he? I mean, he's going to take these accolades back to where he left off in the summer league and hopefully, um, you know, land an NBA spot. That's the, that's the dream is to get back in the NBA. That's certainly um, his hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, it's funny that the MV, the MVP voting, they're two completely different players and often yep. it's, often it's between a couple of players that are just almost similar, like great scorers, probably they do a whole lot else in terms of distribution, three or four assists a game. This guy is 17 points and eight assists. Like, surpassed all the records mm-hmm. um you know it's it's just incredible what he's been able to um accomplish this year so I'm, I'm pretty sure he's 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 proud of how he's played this year um you know he didn't get the nod for mvp i think that's going to be great motivation for him going into these uh this playoffs 
well, especially to be playing against a guy that did win MVP, I think that's going to be a fascinating matchup because they'll be spending a lot of time opposed to one another. So it's going to be fascinating to see mm. who can come out on top and, and whether or not it's the playmaker or if it's the pure scorer who can drag their team over the line. So we'll preview more of that next week, of course, Louth, because we've, we're still more than a week away from game one in Perth. But right now, why don't we freshen things up and hear from a, from a fresh voice? This episode of the Pikey and Lau Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Staten's Plumbing Company, plumbers who care. And your fitness, your body, your choice, your time, your fitness. Yeah, look, uh, this is a this is a player that's uh, killing it in the in the states. This is the he's in the top league in college, the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference. There are three hundred and thirty Division One teams in in uh, the US. There's five thousand colleges altogether. Three hundred and thirty mm-hmm. of them are in Division One. He is in the team that won the whole NCAA tournament last year for mm-hmm. the Virginia Cavaliers. So I caught up with Dale Statman just the other day in the echoey halls of the uh, CBI. <laughs> but please enjoy the latest update with Cody Statman as I talk with Daryl Statman. All right, I'm here with Daryl Statman. Now, he's the father of Cody Statman, um, won the NCAA championship uh, out of the whole of the United States. Such a, a huge achievement for the Virginia Cavaliers under Coach Bennett. But, uh, Daryl, tell me about a bit about Cody's progression, I guess, from first year to second year. He was averaging 1.7 points in that first year, now 4.5 points. Are you really excited with some of the improvements and the progression that he's shown this year for the Cavaliers? Absolutely. Um, he's been fortunate in the sense that a few of the big players went ahead into the NBA draft and another one in um, Jack Salt went to Europe, now going to New Zealand. Um, so the doorways open up for him to get more minutes. So he's gone from about four minutes to about 20 to 25 minutes a game. Unfortunately for him, he, he had a couple of um, moments with a broken nose and a couple of uh, games out with sickness, but um, he's just loving the opportunity to play a bit more this year. So, um, so you've noticed another thing you're saying is his physical size. Tell, talk to me about what his weight might have been in that first year compared to where he weighs at now. Uh, he's a six foot eight player, so he's tall. What kind of weight is he at now? He, um, it's a play he had to put on 200 pound um, for them to sort of play, expl- play at 200 pound. 200 yeah. pound. Yeah. Um, so he's actually surpassed that now. Yeah. Um, he's pushing about 205 to 207, depending on how he is each day. But, um, yeah, look, he's filled out when he came home last time. I couldn't believe how much um, he'd actually filled out. He, was, he wasn't that, that scorning kid that we yeah. all knew yeah. him as yeah. when he was back here. Yeah. So, yeah. So that 200-pound puts it at about, in my book, about 90 kilos now. So he would have left about 80, 82 kilos going to the States, quite a lean six foot eight. Uh, so he's stronger now and holding down his position. So the coach is obviously rewarding him with – have you noticed defensively his improvements with that extra weight and strength? I sure have. His, uh, his defensive strengths have gone through the roof. He, uh, he gets good position now. He's good with his hands, his movements, so much quicker – um, just the work on the agility and the, the strength coaching stuff that um, Coach Curtis does with him over there is elite. So amazing, amazing to see where he's at right now. 
So Cody also represented Australia under 17s and under 19s. So he's already got uh, Australia, junior Australia boomers uh, under his belt. Now coming through the ranks as well is his younger brother Kai, who potentially could maybe under 17s this year. Is that what he's trying out for for the boomer for the boomers under 17s Australian team? Well, actually, Alex, he has made the Asia um, Cup qualified team, which goes off to Lebanon. Um, in early April so we're all excited he's actually part of that team so he's worked himself up into there he's he's put a, a huge amount of effort and work into getting there he comes down here you know six days a week basically and he's working hard and he's in the gym and he's doing all those things that his big brother tells him he needs to do yeah yeah Fantastic. Um, now the Taipans, I guess you, you've seen firsthand uh, the the awesome season that the boys are having. Uh, what are your thoughts on obviously playoffs just around the corner? They've locked in third place. They're going to be playing Perth Wildcats. What's your thoughts about how they can go in the postseason? It's incredible to think where they were last year to this year, isn't it? Look, um, it's exciting. We've got a team of guys that just want to play for each other. I honestly think we could be a dark horse here. Um, we've beaten both teams that are ahead of us on the table. I think um, the only thing that might slow us down is the excitement of being there and forgetting that we're there to play to the end sort of thing. But I honestly think this year's um, team, are, with Mike Kelly at the helm this year, they're doing an amazing job. I wish them well. Yeah, and they've obviously had outstanding performers and they won't count the stats of who will make NBL first team, but my prediction is Scotty Machado and Cam Oliver, hopefully first team. I think DJ Newell will clinch second team all, all NBL. Um, you know, they, they just had such an all-round contributions, as you, as you mentioned. Is there any other player that you've noticed has stood out this year, either from an effort level, a Kuat Noi type player, or a Jock Dang? Is anyone else, Mirko Jerry, is anyone else that stood out for you that's really helped the guys through some, some tough times? I've actually liked Eric's in the sense that he brings some um, mongrel to the team. I think you need that sort of player in there just to go the intimidation factor. I really like what he brings in there. And, man, when he gets that three going, he's exciting to watch because it's an sort of unorthodox sort of shooting style, but it's ratchet. exciting. It's a ratchet. It is. I call it the slingshot. The slingshot, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I really like him. And uh, hats off to all of them. Um, they're playing as a team, and that's what wins championships. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Darrell. No worries. Good luck with it all. So, Pikey, um, Cody Statton obviously represented Australia uh, under 17s and under 19s, so junior junior Australian representative, but uh, he's not the only one from Cairns Basketball that has uh, represented Australia. If you would just indulge me, I've got some names here from the archives. We've got Raylene Lynch, Danny Morse, uh, Danny Morso. Jenny Evans, um, Nathan Jowai, Aaron Baines, Cody Statman's obviously in that mix now, Tamari Wigness, uh, India Boa, Shanice Swain, and Kai Statman, the younger brother, has just made um, the uh, the Australian junior uh, team, the under-17s as well. So uh, pretty good pedigree in the family and a very proud um, tradition of, of players making it through to the representative level uh, at the the, the, Australia, the national representative level, uh, come all coming out of Cairns basketball. So very proud history for um, uh, the association, and uh, they certainly celebrate um, their their successes there. And uh, great to see, great, a great kid as well. He came 
back in um, for Marlon's training uh, in, in his off-season last last uh, time he was in town and uh, he nearly threw down this dunk. He came straight down the center lane and he, he got up, man. Like, he, he just, if he connected on this dunk, it would have been unbelievable. Just elevated off the one foot, cocked it back and yacked it, just hit the back of the rim. <laughs> but, like, it was pretty cool to see him come yeah. back and, and see the progression, I guess, in between times that I've seen uh, him train for the type ends and then came back to uh, just uh, keep the, the fitness up and get prepared for the next level but um, we're watching closely so 1.5 points a game in his first season he's on 4.5 points a game now uh, good signs for Cody Stabman and, and a very proud uh, dad able to give us that update yeah so he should be and it's f- fantastic for us to ju- just provide that the platform to highlight what some of these great great people from the region are doing and yeah I mean I mean, but both of his sons now are, are destined for, for great things and we might even see them playing for the Taipans one day. We might see them playing in the NBA one day. You just never know what the ceiling is with, with players that, that are this talent. Well, it's fun because now these players, um, all, all the games they play, it's, it's accessible. Like before, mm. you wouldn't hear about someone until they've maybe done, you know, uh, they, they've done something big or they've made it to the NBA. Like, oh, what, where's this kid come from? Well, now, uh, and I like to think that we've, we're able to help it along a bit as well, but we're able to get yeah. access and, and give you those updates. Um, but also... Games are online. Games are uh, watchable. The NBL one is, uh, you know, in Queensland. NBL uh, one is in uh, Melbourne and now in Adelaide as well. So there's three. These this league, the NBL one league, will be very accessible, and you can watch the progress of these young guys coming through, which is exciting. Right. And I think that WA is not too far away for being connected into that as well. And I think if you've got this uh, crazy talent pool, guys uh, and girls, it's fun to watch how they make those big big leaps into uh, the next level so great to see juniors doing well and, and certainly great to see juniors from home uh, suburb doing well and, and following their mm. progress and of course thanks to mbo one you can watch Laos running around this season too oh you, that's jumping the gun that's that's you know <laughs> we, can't, we can't release that information that's that's not that hasn't been checked and cross-checked that's bad journalism Pikey. Uh, okay okay bad Sorry, journalism. um now, before the semifinals start, we've got another big night, the Cairns Taipans Season Award Dinner as well. You'll be a special guest there as well. You'll be donning the suit, hopefully, if you've got it back from Kuwait Noi. Hopefully, he's delivered it back in in one piece. Hopefully, it hasn't, uh, hopefully he hasn't left it in Melbourne like he did with his orthotics. Yeah, so. let's hope not. I, I, now, I told him that. I said, "Go on, <laughs> don't you leave this suit in Melbourne like you did your authorities." He kind of looked at me. He's like, "How did you? How did you know about that?" I was like, "Mate, it's loud." I was like, "I could keep my ear low to the ground." That sounds like you haven't got the suit back yet. No, I don't have it back. It's a good thing Lars has a has a better suit. I've got a, okay, I've got okay, another very, suit. Very good. <laughs> now let's run through the awards that will be presented on the night. Firstly, tell me who you think will win. And then tell me which ones you've won along your career as well. Let's start with the Coach's Award. Who have you, who have you got to take that out this season? Interesting one. I think a Mirko Jarek type of player um, could take that out. He, he's provided more than just you know scoring punch. He, he's provided attitude and he's provided fight. And um, as Daryl Statman said in the interview, that's his favourite um, player outside of your your imports and things. So yeah. I think um, I think he he would be a great one for for a coach's award. This one might be tough, Lars. Okay. The commitment to community award. I'm not Ooh. sure. I'm not sure how close of an eye you keep on what the guys are doing out in the community because yeah. you're you're stuck in Hemingway's Hemingway. a lot of the time. Who, who, who have you got to win this one? 
Well, let me just let me just go a process of elimination here. I, Nathan Jowai has won it previously, so I'm just going to say that although he's he continually does great things in the community, I think they might be giving it to someone else. So mm-hmm. I'm not too sure of who's been prompt to their promos, but it could be between a George or a Fab or a Fish. Yep. Now, Fish won. What's it? You won uh, club person of the year last year. Yeah, um, so you know they might think Fish has got too many uh, bigger <laughs> players there. So I'm gonna go with I'm probably and I don't know if Hammer Jock is with the kids. I, don't, I haven't really seen that firsthand. So I'm gonna go with a Fab or a George and let okay. me go with a George. I'll lock in George Blaboski blah 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 blah. <laughs> we'll go with Blaboski. Did you ever win it? Did you ever win it? Did I ever win it? Um, I think I mm. got it. I think I got it one year. Yes. Um, yeah. What about a, the coaches award? Coaches award. I think there was a coaches award there a couple of years ago. Um, okay. That would have been yeah, two two or three years ago I think, and um, that was probably my best season ever. Yeah. <laughs> twelve points. Yeah. Twelve points a game. So you know that was a good one. And then yeah, there's been a few others in thrown in there. Defensive player award. You'd be pretty stiff to win the league's best defensive player and not win the club's best defensive player. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that one unfolds. Uh, I think DJ Newell's paying a dollar oh one for mm. that spot, but um, I mean, it, it's actually to be honest, Cam Oliver is just as much in that conversation because he's changed games. His blocks have been impressive, and it's a statement when when he does those things for the tie band. So I mean, yeah. uh, I, I think it's certainly well worth mentioning Cam Oliver in that conversation. Yeah, your your old mate out west, Sean Redditch, had Cam Oliver as his pick for the best defensive player. Yeah. So we'll we'll see the players. Well, firstly, did you ever win the best defensive player award? I I'm pretty sure I know the answer. I won it in the Perth Wildcats in my first year. Did you believe really? it? Believe it or not, Laos Laos wow. picked up uh, yeah best defensive player at Wildcats there. Okay, so um, yeah, I have, I haven't yeah. won it with type ends though. Players player award. The Players Player Award. I reckon the boys will, and I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of this this sort of season. Um, but yep. I'd say probably between, I think it's a Mirko Jerick type of one. To be honest, I think mm-hmm. that I think the boys rally behind what he's been able to do this year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put Jerick in there. So you might come up with a couple this year based on what I'm saying. Then yeah, we'll see. Mem- well, did you ever win that one? Um. No, I don't think so. I'll, I'll have to sift through the boxes of uh, <laughs> countless awards, and I've got leather. Um, I've got leather-bound books full of all of my award details. Did Did you keep those, or did did your wife, or did your mum? Yeah, yeah, mumsy's got them at there. Just you know, she keeps them pride and place on the uh, <laughs> yeah the mantelpiece. Yeah. <laughs> okay, two more to go. Members' choice MVP. The members' choice MVP. There'll be an MVP, of course, which we're we're going to go with Scotty Machado. Members' choice is kind of the one the fans have really. I reckon they've really enjoyed Cam Oliver, uh, the way mm-hmm. he's entertained the crowd, uh, or DJ. DJ's been entertaining as well. But I think Cam, he has, yeah, especially think, you, you, you really fire up for DJ. 
Yeah, I was eating. I was eating this fried chicken and a, had a beer in my hand. And he sunk this three and then turned and walked to the crowd and just stared everyone down. He caught me like mid gasp. I was like, oh, like he made the shot. I was like, oh, I just had the chicken. It was uh, actually kind of a funny sort of a moment. I was just like, this is where I am right now. A beer and fried chicken, watching, enjoying the game. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was that was fun. But yeah, um, I, I reckon Cam will get the Members Choice uh, Award for that. Uh, Members Choice MVP. He's he's been fun he's he's thrown down awesome dunks he's flexed down opponents he's flexed down the lens of the camera like he's, he's he knows a camera where uh, exactly where they are which i admire from uh, my standpoint so and he, re- um, and he yeah. really he really didn't like chris golding last week either which probably only endears him to the fans even more yeah well <laughs> that's that certainly bolstered his uh yep. votes so we'll see mvp is it as obvious as it seems it is. It really is. And, he, and the reason is Machado has, is the catalyst that has totally brought this team to life, totally uh, empowered um, DJ Newble to do his thing. Uh, he's created attention, which gives others more space. Uh, he's set up great athletes, Mach- uh, Oliver and Deng, above the rim type plays. Uh, it's just been exciting to see how he has controlled the tempo. He's, you know, he's just been, uh, you know, unbelievable and the perfect, the perfect teammate anyone could wish for uh, in any of the years that they, that they play hoops professionally. You'd want a point guard like Scotty Machado at the helm. Yeah, 100%. He'll be MVP for the time then. Did you ever get that one? No, 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 no. Um, I've had some good years. I, I was, I was solid. You know, average eleven to twelve points a game for the nine years, and um, you know, maybe not the last one, but um, you know, I felt like I've always bought in and played, played the part. And you know, you rely on that that import spot to be. You know, that's the focus of of each team. It's it's been the number one position that every team's um, had to recruit. And um, you know, I've, I feel like I've I was pretty solid and, and contributed just consistent hoops. That is just a box that was easily checked as part of the core group. Um, and, and I'm really proud of obviously uh, how I went about my business with it. And, and um, yeah, certainly had some some great great years and some great memories. And it was uh, one of those things. And I'm just happy to be a part of the whole thing. No, all jokes aside, I don't think anyone can question how valuable you were over those nine years. You gave everything, you gave great production, you gave great leadership, and you were the heart and soul of the team for pretty much all of those years. So I don't, th- I think if you are proud, you have every right to be. So I appreciate oh, that it. Might, that <laughs> might, be, might be the only time I'd be serious about that, but but you can take it to the bank. Well, this, um, this will be the this will be the uh, the teaser on the next social media clip. I think then I'll, I'll just cut that bit out. That was, that's, uh, that was beautiful. <laughs> uh, um, all right, Lars. Well, there's been plenty to cover. Now we can focus next week on the semi-final series, game one in Perth against the Perth Wildcats on on the Friday night, and then of course I don't think there's going to be many tickets left for very long. He's got the only 5,200 people there on the Sunday at Ken's Convention Centre. So if you haven't got your tickets now for Game 2, I'll try and snap them up pretty quickly from the moment they go on sale. It's going to be huge. It'll be a Sunday game. Uh, I love that. I was, I was half expecting a, a weekday game, you know, a Saturday, Thursday, Saturday type thing in Wildcats favour. Uh, but a Sunday game's great. You know, Friday, Perth, Sunday, Cairns, and, um, you know, lock and load the, the following week if, if needed. But, um, yeah, it should be um unbelievable atmosphere. Can't wait to be a part of it. 
This episode of the Mikey and Lau Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Staten's Plumbing Company, plumbers who care. And your fitness, your body, your choice, your time, your fitness. No, I can't wait either, and I can't wait to talk more about it next week as well and give you a full preview. But right now, this pretty much puts the full stop on the regular season here on the Pikey and Lau Show. I hope you've enjoyed us talking Taipans with you. Of course, as always, let's end the show with the final word from Laos. Final thought is take a moment just to soak up what the Taipans have achieved this year. Tip your hat to them. Cheers them when you're with your mates and uh, get ready to lock and load for the semifinals. <laughs>